Many of us have grown up reading this man's tales on self-destruction, revenge, violence, and tales of premature burials of ghastly cats and ravens, where the line between the living and the dead is never clear. But when you look deeper into the life and works of Edgar Allan Poe, a more complex figure emerges. Beyond the traditional image of the alcoholic, pale, sickly author with an obsession of death, you can see a multifaceted man whose life wasn't easy and in many ways it was tragic. His path crossed with the Grim Reaper many times, but I wanted to look at another version of Poe. The athletic military man, the rebellious student, the ruthless reviewer, the father of detective fiction, and I also want to discuss the mystery behind his death. You're listening to Casual History. We are back That's with right. another podcast. Um, it is Sunday afternoon. Um, what is today? August 23rd? Yep. I've had my coffee and I'm feeling good, so uh, I'm ready for this podcast. Nice. Um, you probably by the intro know who I'm talking about. Yep. I, <laughs> well, I, I said his name. So. I walked in, of course, to the studio to a large picture of him on the screen. Nice. And uh, knew exactly who he was. Good. <laughs> so I'm excited. I'm excited because I've read this man's stories. Have you read a few? What have you read of his? Um, like, uh, let's, let's get a baseline. The Telltale Heart is the biggest one. I remember reading that in school. Hmm. Um, about you know, obviously about him killing somebody, and then he buried the heart underneath the floorboard in his house, and then it kept getting louder and louder until it drove him crazy, and it was obviously a metaphor on his guilt. Huh. Of doing the actual deed. The short story, you mean? Yes, yeah. a short story. Huh. And so that's what I know of Edgar Allan Poe. I think I've read a couple other ones, but none of them stick like that one does. Mm-hmm. That one's the most famous one, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but well, yeah. The, the most famous, I think, is The Raven. Oh, is it? I think See, so, but that's a good one as well. I don't right. I don't think I've ever read that one. You haven't? I don't you think sh- so. You should read it, man. It's great. Yeah. It's a really good story. I have a book of his uh, short poems. Um, actually, I have a few. I found at like uh, you know Mickey's or McKay's down the road. Oh yeah, it was like ninety nine cents, and there's a few just different random. That's a books steal. Of him. Yeah, it is. Was pretty crazy. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, I ha- actually kept it in my car for the longest time, like in the little console. Did you? Yeah, and I would read. I don't know why. I didn't I know he did. had a whole book. I mean, it makes sense that he had a whole book of like poems and short stories yeah. and things that he made. I'm sure he was a avid writer, mm-hmm. <laughs> not uh, just the famous works. Yeah, he had a lot of poetry. Um, I was. I think that's kind of how he. His first writings, his first writing ever was a poem, um, huh. but I kind of um, I did some research on him. And I I wanted to do more of a deep dive on his life. I thought this would be an inter- he's an interesting character, and there's a few um, uh, pieces of information that was uh, I didn't know about, just like the mystery around his death. I didn't really know that there was a mystery around his death. Uh, me neither. But I had never heard of that. I, I had never heard of anything of his personal life. Uh, other than that, like he was a dude, a very dark, twisted mind who obsessed with death. Well, there's so a lot of misconceptions. A lot, I'm sure. Um, and this is, I'm gonna try to go through his life, okay. um, and you're gonna learn a lot about his life and his, uh, just the multi. He wasn't just a one way um, person, you I'm know. Sure. I don't think anyone is, and I think you'll find at near the end kind of why we think of him a certain way, okay. and who is to blame or to attribute all this. Uh, character um type yeah. of character to him um we'll go through that as well okay awesome um, 
Yeah, that, Sweet. That, that's who I thought I'd go a deep dive on today. So Edgar was born on January 19th in 1809 in Boston. Okay. To David and Elizabeth, who are both traveling actors. Funny oh, little... Um, actors family, okay. Yeah, I've read a few books. This is this kind of funny, but I've read a few books. It's so like, he grew up in a creative household. Well, <laughs> Edgar was barely born when he suffered his first trauma. On December 20th, 1811, two years after he was born, Elizabeth, his biological mother, died of an illness speculated to be pneumonia or tuberculosis. Oh, God. Um, David, his father, then died a few days from his wife. Um, and the reasons are still unknown. And according to one account, David was performing in Norfolk, Virginia, with his traveling theater at the time. Right. Um, and when he also he also died of an illness. And a different account says that by the time of Elizabeth's death, the Poe family was a broken one. Basically, his father was around, and David left his mom in the house, leaving Elizabeth destitute. So. When oh wow he wasn't even around I don't know that it was there was a word that was around when Elizabeth died and then a few days later the father died kind of in different places in different places yeah huh um but six days after this happened right he's two years old um Edgar was fostered into the home of John and Francis Allen um of Richmond I think is what their you know of Richmond is their title right. his sister Rose Rosalie was taken in by the McKenzie family also of Richmond. While his big brother Henry remained with his grandparents in Baltimore, hmm. um, so John and Francis Allen were a childless couple, and they never legally adopted Edgar, um, but they considered him to be his son. Of course, of course, um, raised him from two years old. I mean, and John was a wealthy merchant um, from Scotland, um, and although Edgar's relationship with Francis um, would always be deeply affectionate, him and John would frequently clash and have. Mm. Basically, he didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. Right. Um, so on the 7th of January, 1812, Edgar was baptized as Edgar Allan Poe. So mm. um, that's how we know him. Um, gotcha. And the Allen family later then moved to London, uh, where they lived from 1815 to 1820. So this is just kind of a little bit of a backstory of, hey, this is what's happening, sure. where how um, Edgar Allan Poe kind of became Edgar Allan Poe. Um, and during these years... Uh, some funny characteristics. So Edgar learned Latin, Greek, um, and he also he learned dancing. So like he took ah, dance lessons. So. Interesting. Yeah, I know. Just for the character that you kind of have in your mind, sure. I just like throwing some of these interesting. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, very intelligent. Yeah, um, he learned a yeah. few different languages, and then Allen's um, r- returned to America in 1820, um, and then by 1823, Edgar was studying in a school run by William Burke. Not the ser- not the serial killer. That's a point. Of right. Name. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, same name though. Kind of funny. Um, the Poe was really this. This is the funny part. Poe is an active person, like athletic, really super athletic, um, which contradicts the common image that we know. Of that course. he's like in a dark cellar, right? Brooding, huddled over, you know, speaking to spiders in the corner, right? <laughs> and in 1824, he became famous actually for swimming seven miles seven miles up the James River against the current. What? Yeah, that's almost three times the swimming segment of an Ironman competition. Oh, my God. Um, and apparently the schoolmaster, Burke, followed him in a boat in case he needed help. Right. Um, and then later that year, Edgar authored his first poem. But just the contrast of this, he grew up He was athletic. multifaceted. He yeah, had and there's some other yeah. attributes of, uh, of like accomplishments. I... I can't remember them all. The fact that he had other, again, it's so weird that like we put 
we put like huge figures like this in a box mm-hmm. just because of their works. We see their works more than the person. Yeah. And so like that, like the fact that, that he had other accomplishments, actually things that were pretty notary like that, like yeah. that's, that's pretty, pretty big. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, that's like a record, right? Yeah. I assumed at the time it probably was cause I think it was noted in a newspaper or something that like right. this kid swam seven miles up the river against the current. It's just um, so interesting that you hear nothing about that besides his work. Yeah, well, it's dominated his life for, for sure. the majority of his life. But just him growing up, he wasn't the stereotypical like teenager brooding that led to this. It was like, no, he was a pretty outgoing, like yeah. moving, probably person. a happy individual for the most part. Diverse, you know, learn Latin, Greek, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but so this was the same time though. When after he did that swimming thing, it was in his youth where he wrote his first poem, which was. Um, just two lines <laughs> and I'm going to quote it and say it for you. It says, last night with many cares and toil, toils oppressed, weary, I laid on a couch to rest, which wow. is basically, that's great, <laughs> but it's basically, I'm going to take a nap on a sofa. Yeah. Yeah. But that's um, great. That's a great, beautiful way to say that <laughs> Let, language, man. Yeah. He wrote that. that but not to poem. be all, uh, what's the movie with, uh, Robin Williams. <laughs> Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, Captain, my Captain. Come on. Now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dead yeah. Poet Society. Right. It's yeah. like, it just, it's something you could say, I'm going to go take a nap or you can say it like that. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, <laughs> yeah. that's beautiful though. Yeah. He had a way with words early on. Yeah. Um, so in February, 1825, um, a couple of years later, Edgar enrolled in the university of Virginia in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. I didn't know, first of all, that he was in Virginia. This is just no. all new to me. Um, his studies here were short lived though. Uh, because his wealthy father, John Allen, had really no intention to fill Edgar's pockets with easy money. Ah, so can make him work. Yeah, he, he was like, you're going to do this on your own. But the freshman, Edgar, had to subsidize his, his expenses somehow um, with a side hustle. Mm. And the side ha- hustle was gambling. Ah, he's a gambler. <laughs> um, Edgar accumulated over $2,000 worth of gambling debts, which is more than $50,000 in today's money. Holy shit. So he was um, a bad gambler. I guess. Not even a good one. <laughs> is anybody really a good gambler? I don't know. You know? Probably like, not. Who knows? You're <laughs> Nobody's a good gambler. Um, so, but at this time, right, he needed John. He's like, John, dad, Help. you had to pay. And he refused. Um, oh, leading no. to a big rift between them, on, of course. Um, the two men reunite um that year with his childhood sweetheart so sorry let me back up here um right so that led to the rift kind of the first kind of like oh i'm between not gonna the pay family, for right yeah between him um the two um that here we go this is what i wanted to get to sorry that year edgar couldn't really catch a break so this is kind of the first like oh shit's starting to get hard even though right. he lost his real biological parents it's horrible um so during his Christmas holiday, he was going to reunite with his childhood sweetheart. This is after the gambling, after mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff, um, and possible fiance. Um, but this sweetheart's parents con- had pressured her to into dumping Edgar for a wealthy businessman, Alexander Shelton. You might want to remember that name. Ooh. Um, okay. So then it's understandable <laughs> if in March 1827, Edgar decided to leave university after not being able to pay and. Yeah, uh, he's just like, screw this, man, I'm out. Yeah, he's like, I'm done. Yeah. Um, and so he reunited with his older brother, Henry, in Baltimore. So still without a job, he enlisted in the U.S. Army. Oh, okay. Um, under the name Edgar A. Perry. Um, and he did really well here, funny enough. Like, he, um, it, t- it was only, I think, two years, but he rose the rank of sergeant major 
uh, two sergeant major, sergeant major, sorry, of an artil- artillery regiment um, in okay. less than two years. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty like, this is a So natural. Yeah, and then it but, was during this time he also wrote his first book of poetry. Huh. Um, and so he was a busy guy. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Interesting. And he had it published under the pseudonym uh, A Bostonian. Okay. It only sold about 50 copies. Right. So if you find one, it's extremely valuable currently. Right. So if you find one, if you're listening out there, if you have one in some grandma's attic or something, uh, you need to go see yeah. what you can get for it because it's extremely valuable at the, at the moment, I guess. Okay. So do people have this already, obviously? Uh, have copies of this and yeah. have printed their works out, or at least, you know. Yes, but there's only 50 copies that were printed of this, his sure. first book. Um, but is it poetry. able to be, like, am I able to, like, look that up? Yeah, you can look it up. Uh, so awesome. the name of the book is uh, Tamerlane, Tamerlane and Other Poems. I think I said that word wrote, right, um, Tamerlane and Other Poems. So you can okay. look it up if you want to. Cool. Find yeah, no, that's poems. what I was just wanting to know if, like, I could I could read some of this because that's interesting. Yeah. Um was so, this a lot of war-related stuff? Again, it's just very funny know. that he was writing, like, again, I'm not saying people can't be multifaceted, but it's just very interesting that he's such a, like, super athletic person, like, swimming seven miles, yeah. uh, being a military man, being a, a good military man, must yeah. mean he's in incredible shape, yeah, super athletic, and then in his side time while he's in the Army, he's writing poetry in a book. It's just a very interesting yeah. man. Yeah, he was very. I never didn't feel like he had any like uh, stop. Like he was always doing something, right? It, multiple things at once. Hmm. Obviously, that were kind of in op- opposition of each other. Right. You don't typically think of an army man. I don't know, like being a poet. You know, it just yeah. somehow doesn't go hand in hand when you're thinking of like the atypical version of your mind, especially for Edgar Allan Poe. For Edgar Allan Poe <laughs> is like, that's that's the kicker. It, yeah. I think it's because it's Edgar Allan Poe that I'm more shocked. Yeah. Like it just. Yeah, someone who's the stories that I've read, how dark they are, how different they are. The fact that he was like a full-on poetry, but like I never knew the athletic side of him. I yeah. never knew his personal life. Like I obviously knew he was a human, and he had probably had other interests. But it just—I don't know why that shocks me. Yeah, well, that's what I love doing here, and that's why I thought I'd bring it up, bring him up, because it's something I wanted to know about, and it. Yeah, it's a uh, because it it's is interesting life. Um, you expect him to be some very pale, never see the light of day lock himself in a room, writing poetry kind of guy. That's Wait, just what you picture Edgar Allan Poe being. Yeah, no matter what time frame, too. Right. You kind of think a teenager, mid-20s, whatever. Yeah, locking himself in his room. He's kind of a, he was a, he was a ladies' man, too. So, huh. Yeah, so like, so let me, uh, we'll just keep going here. So on, I'm just going to keep going through the timeline kind of Yeah, thing. absolutely. Um, on the 28th of February, so 1829, Francis Allen, his adopted mother, died of a respiratory illness, mm. just like his biological mother. Um, Drama. Following this, Edgar's behaviors, yes, um, in the following years became erratic and rebellious. Um, initially, Poe seemed to like army life until in April t- 1829, he applied to West Point Academy, looking forward to a promotion for sergeant to lieutenant. Yeah. Um, he entered the academy in the summer of 1830. By the following winter, he was doing his best to get kicked out. Huh. Um, once a tal- talented cadet, Poe racked up 110 offenses and 106 demer- demerits in two terms. He was court-martialed and tried at the beginning of February 1831 for gross neg- ne- neglect of duty. Interesting. Um, so it was he... Okay. We'll get into why. Sh- sure. I'm more I'm more interested in, too, like, uh, was it a... It's more dishonorable to leave and feel like you are out of cowardice 
than to be kicked out and court-martialed, right? Is yeah. that is that so, a thing? Well, well, we'll get into here's the okay. here's the thought process. Yes, so continue. Part of what stopped for his rebellion following uh, his um, stepmom's death was that John, the father, had uh, remarried really quickly oh. um, with Miss Louise Patterson, which Poe disliked like heavily, and she disliked him heavily. Oh, no. um, and more than that, he discovered John had children out of wedlock. Hmm. Yeah. So some identity, like what in the world? So is going not on? a happy. And the feud was embittered by a letter written by Poe in which he claimed that John was rarely sober. So all of these uh, tor- turmoil caused him to, I think, just want to bad relate. Yeah. Just I want to. Um, and Edgar wanted to leave West point to pursue writing at this stage but he needed john's authorization for a voluntary discharge so he needed his father's approval like there's something i don't remember what it was some thing that had to happen where his father would have to give a vo- um, authorization for a voluntary discharge right because there's um, a word for it i just can't think of it obviously it's a very common one yeah but uh for what you call someone who just abandons their duty kind of thing yeah was that would that be what it is if you just quit something like that yeah, I while think being there in the military be, there has to be uh, there I, has to be I, a reason it was at the time i think there was a different thing maybe it's so current i could not tell you for the life of me but it basically required authorization from his okay. father and he of course at the time um he didn't want to do anything to help each other well, they weren't speaking yeah um, they weren't speaking and so he had to started his self-sabotage campaign then okay um and he succeeded of course and was kicked out from (laughs) uh the academy but not before collecting donations from a hundred other cadets to fund his next book of poems oh my god titled poems (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, i love that his boys helped him yeah they're like dude you're fucking talented just get get out of here here. and write your book (laughs) yeah they probably all wrote him up um in the summer (laughs) of 1831 Fate dealt yet another blow to Edgar as it claimed the life of his brother, Henry, yet another victim of tuberculosis. Wow. Um, So many people. Um, So Edgar's writing career started to pick up in the early 1830s, and his short story, Message Found in a Bottle, actually Mm. won a $50 price from a Baltimore magazine. Um, And then in 1833, the prize was a welcome sight uh, as Poe's father, of course, no longer gave him any money and his second uh, wife louise like we spoke about did not approve of edgar in the slightest right so he wasn't Um, getting any money yeah and plus then the couple the his father and the new uh wife had a now had a biological son ah so again to inherit the wealth yeah more like um he's out of the out of this little world um so it was in 1834 so i think a year later from this all this um, when Edgar heard the news that his father fell ill. Oh, no. And he tried to reunite with him one last time. Yeah, so he tried to reunite with him one last time, and they had not seen each other since West Point, right? Yeah. Um, and he rushed to Richmond and finally came face-to-face with the now terminal John. Um, and Thomas Ellis, John's business partner, actually, were, this is the reason why we know this, described the tearful reunion. And I'm going to put this in quotes. This is what was uh, written. Okay? Yeah. Um, with what little strength was left in him, John stood up. Now, did they hug? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> John raised his cane and threatened to strike him if he came within his reach. Mm. Basically, a horrible ending, and he walked out and never saw each other again from then. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Even to the end. It was the last time they ever met, and on March 27th, 1834, John died, and in his will, of course, made no mention of, of Adger. That's I, I can't even imagine the kind of trauma just because again like 
you lost your real parents, right? And then, but they got, he got fostered at two years old. Mm-hmm. So basically, he grew up with them as his parents. Like, yeah, they are. he never knew a life without them as his parents. Right. And so, for what to have such a discourse with his father, and then even on this deathbed, to not receive any sort of like, you know, now that they have a biological son, I'm sure he felt like I don't belong well, there anymore. He was pushed out. 100. He was yeah. pushed out. Yeah. And so, like, where did he where did he belong? I, I can't even imagine what kind of mental state that would push him into. Well, he's dealt with both of his at this point. He's dealt with both of his biological parents being gone. Yeah. Both of his adopted parents gone. His yeah. brother's gone now. So You're he's right. dealt with death a lot. Yeah. Um. By this point. Um, and it was in, so in the later half of the 1830s, Poe's writing, 1830s, Poe's career took off, um, right. or rather he was always employed. He didn't make a lot of money. He had le- very little fame and even mm-hmm. less money. Um, and fo- following his stepmom's death, um, in 1829, Edgar had, so his first stepmom, sorry, yes. um, death in 1829, Edgar had developed a friendship with his cousin, Virginia Clem. Uh, so this is going to get weird. Yeah. Um, at, who is 13 years younger than him. Oh, um, right. And she was a first-degree relative of Edgar, so not just a step-relative from his adopted parents. These were from his biological father, not his foster parents. This is like a sister's whatever. Um, his oh. Biological father's sister's something. Wow. Um, uh, and this relationship was initially, you know, just uh, an innocent one because... Oh, no. Uh, Virginia was acting as a go-between for Edgar and this other girl car- called Mar Devereaux, yeah. who he was trying to win over. Um, but by 1835, when Poe was 26 and Virginia was only 13, oh, um, no. the friendship developed into something else. Um, and despite Virginia's relative's best attempts on the 22nd of September, 1835, Edgar and Virginia married in secret, oh my celebrating God. a public wedding the following year. Um, and we all know how weird that is and how horrible that sounds. Yeah. Even back then, it was frowned upon. Um, and some authors claim, though, that Edgar's and Virginia's relationship may have been purely platonic because the theory is that after the death of his biological and foster mothers, Poet transferred his feelings of love uh, to Aunt Mary, who, uh, and in turn to Virginia. So Aunt Mary was his aunt, his, you know, his biological father's sister. Sure. Um, to Virginia. And you could draw a parallel with Poe's work at this stage in his career. So he, he did some writing, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, you can kind of like compare with his life to see if there's any whatever comparisons. And mm-hmm. namely the short story of Morella. So in April of 1835 in this story, I'm just going to go through it. Um, sure. An unnamed narrator regards uh, with a feeling of deep yet most singular affection, my friend Morella. The two, Mary and Morella, grows obsessed with the issues of um, identity and she dies in childbirth and the protagonist decides to leave the baby girl unnamed for 10 years right wow. so when she grows older she is uncannily like her mother and when the girl turns to the father or turns 10 the father agrees to have her baptized when he chooses the name Morella for the, his daughter the girl immediately dies uttering I am here the tale concludes with my own hands I bore her to the tomb and I laughed with a long and bitter laugh as I found no um, no trait trace of the first in the channel where I laid the second and it's titled Morella oh. these are re- reoccurring topics for Poe of course ones of resurrection and identity beyond death right um, which is a whole other like wow uh, bag of uh, I don't know bag of nails I don't know bag um, of nails I don't, I don't know <laughs> why bag, not worms bag worms, worms not good sure. enough for you bag of worms um, 
And consider this. So Morella and the narrator are friends before marrying, like Edgar and Virginia. And then here is a transfer of identity from mother to daughter, which opens the door to a more, uh, what's the word, Freudian uh, nightmare. Right. <laughs> so Freudian. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, no, you're good. So it's kind of, uh, it, I don't think it was ever clear what kind of relationship, relationship it, it really was, was yeah down at its core right but still it's, it's weird it's creepy it's still Too, little yeah no yeah. it's a little heebie-jeebies yeah um and apparently his and virginia's marriage was successful despite the lack of money um while virginia kept a photo of poe under a pillow in adoration um uh on the other hand poe had started flirting with one francis osgood um but besides exchanging letters there's no proof of a relationship um, mm. But Francis was being unsuccessfully courted at the time, so the girl he was writing letters to, True. by another author uh, and journalist called uh, named Rufus W. Griswold. Remember this name. Okay. Um, and these letters that Poe and Francis exchanged were enough to enrage another girl um, <laughs> named Elizabeth Allette, who had a crush on Poe. So just a chain reaction oh. of people liking other people that don't like other people. And he's <laughs> and he's got something to him that these people are into, of course. Right. Um, and uh, it caused her reaction, caused a scandal, as he she alleged Poe and Francis, the one who he was writing letters to, had a physical affair, and she even spread rumors that Poe was, in quotes, subject to acts of lunacy. Um, oh, and Virginia gosh. was rather unconcerned with Poe's flirtations, but the scandal affected her frail health. Um, so uh, all this stress and uh, supposedly chaos. kind of caused her to um, get really, really sick. Um, oh no! Yeah, so does everybody die in Poe's life? Is that what's happening? In uh, in the second half of the 1830s, so Poe went from a full workaholic, um, moving frequently across the East looking for work in magazines. Um, he didn't neglect his creative writing through this point. Uh, he published his first and only novel, the narrative of Arthur Gar- Gordon Pym. Okay. Um, you may have heard that book. It's kind of his own. It's his only novel, which is pretty monumental, I think. Right. Um, in 1838, the following two years, Poe published two works: his seminal collection of groundbreaking short stories, "Tales of the Grotesque" and Ar- "Arbesque." Wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sorry. And then the treaties of shellfish. Right. How weird is that? Right. Yeah. It's about shellfish, but he co-authored that. Um, and this there's a little funny note here. Um, out of the two books that he published here one was him while he was co-authored um one of those books in just two months was sold out which one do you get can you guess was sold out shellfish yes <laughs> it was his only commercial success wait just, it was literally just about for real so like shellfish yeah it, it was wasn't a metaphor shell- it wasn't about anything I, else no no it was about it was co-authored i'm not sure if it was someone else's idea and he just like wrote it or you know just about the animal in general basically i couldn't tell you the details but basically it was about shellfish wow um, and well, that one's so, more easier to t- to swallow than the other. That ones, comments sure. on the readers in the um, 1830s. So, is there any reviews on these books? Probably. I would probably love look to look up. up some old reviews of this book. Yeah, you could probably look it up. Yeah. Um, and this was Poe's only, like I said, only commercial success in his lifetime. In wow. the entire lifetime, he, he was alive, right? Of course, he's big now. Like, of course, after his death. Um, but it was a book about shellfish. <laughs> um, he never made a dime in royalties, by the way, off that. Why? Um, the hell not he just i don't i don't really know why he just he couldn't quite find money you know yeah he just never found money <laughs> he found in his jobs life. but never uh until the late last Success. later half in his life but it was always kind of coupled with other things that made him not wealthy interesting <laughs> um so 
to continue on, uh, in 1841, Poe took a position as editor for Graham's Magazine, which he also used as a platform for his own short stories. Ah. Um, that's a smart way of marketing, getting your stories out there. Yeah. Poe grew the circulation from 5,000 to 37,000 subscribers at the time. Wow. Um, Poe even convinced Charles Dickens to write for the Graham. You are kidding. No, no, serious. Pretty, pretty uh, oh funny. Oh, my God. Note. Well, okay, so monumental success. Yeah. They well, better be guess, paying this man. <laughs> but that's in hindsight, right? This is in hindsight. What do you mean in hindsight? The hindsight of the success of how we think, oh, Charles Dickens, oh, Edgar Allan Poe, that should that's Oh, so you're be. telling me that Charles Dickens at this time wasn't, like, uh, prominently known? I don't know at the time, but neither was Edgar. I know for sure Edgar wasn't at eight, in ah. this 1841. He wasn't really known. He was, right. just, again, just writing short stories for mag- or newspaper, the Graham but even magazine. So, I mean, um, the subscriber change has to get him... A good bump up, right? Yeah, I guess thirty-seven thousand subscribers. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's I mean, pretty you're great. Doing well, back then, especially um, right. But in May, Poe left the magazine, handing over his duties to who, no other than Rufus W. Griswold, who was also a co-editor in uh, oh the magazine, right? Right. Um, and he wrote to a friend the reason why he said, "My reason for resigning was disgust with the namby pamby character of the magazine, and the salary, moreover, did not pay me." For the labor which I was forced to bestow. Ah. Um, again, he just Pay never, me, man. Yeah. That's basic, basically, basically, that's like, fuck you, pay me, please. Um, <laughs> and by this time, Virginia had already fallen ill to tuberculosis. Oh, my God, um, dude. Some say as a consequence to the scandal. Um, and her stress. Health, yeah. Her health yeah. worsened, but Poe did not stop his streak. He was finally going places at this point. Um, and it was in 1843, Poe's tale, The Gold Bug, $100 prize, uh, from a Philadelphia newspaper, um, and it was followed by a theatrical production and a French translation, giving Poe some deserved public attention. So oh, wow. this is where it happened. This is kind of where his public attention starts. Right. Really, I think. Yeah. Um, out of all of his now he has to be work. getting money, right? Um, well, yes <laughs> and no, because he 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 did. He then went on to uh, on a tour of sold out poetry lectures, which. Count on your hand how many times you've ever heard that in today's world of a sold out poetry lecture. You know, yeah, but imagine that being happening now. That's I feel like that would be pretty cool, but it just doesn't really happen. To me, that'd be pretty sick. You'd be in a huge stadium, just a person reciting poetry for yeah, an hour and a half, and you're like, that was great. I'm sure it happens. Maybe it's just not as it's very. Un- it feels uncommon, maybe in today's yes. culture. Um, so, like I said, giving him some des- finally deserved public attention. He then went on to tour. Um, and more sold-out poetry lectures, and then eventually moved to New York um, and was a sub-editor of The Evening Mirror. And it was in this paper that in January 1845, he published his most famous poem ever, The Raven. Mm. Um, it became an immediate nationwide hit. Think about that. It's like releasing, releasing a song. And it's like, oh, it's number one everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Except it's a piece of uh, poetry that That's he crazy. published in a, okay. um, a paper. Gosh, I'm gonna um, have to reread that because again, the Raven is the one I, that doesn't stick in my mind. I don't know why I don't remember that one. We should attach it. People can read. Uh, maybe we'll attach just like um, for sure. Yeah, to, to this podcast for fun and a photo of him so you can kind of see the yeah see the, the man, dark man if you haven't already. Um, so yeah, it became a nationwide hit, and he only earned fifteen dollars from this piece, um, or three hundred forty-five dollars in today's money. Um, and it was then that he took over the Broadway Journal. So he's kind of he's always shifting. Yeah. He took over the Broadway Journal, which d- did not help him financially. So he took it over like he got it himself. Right. Um, and if anything, it accumulated more debt 
for him. Um, and the journal was shut down just one year the pre, uh, following year. Right. And at this point, Virginia's condition worsened. And by early 1846, she was bedridden. Oh, no. um, and then on the 30th of 1847, um, Virginia, sorry, I think it was October 30th of 1847, Virginia died of tuberculosis in New York. Um, mm. And it was this point Poe's life was really, he was consumed with grief. Yeah. Um, this was really was like a certain type of love. I don't know how his relationship was or what it was at this point in time, but it was right. basically the epitome of life. Well, is that his one connection to his biological parents? Like Maybe. Could it be it might just have like been that's a psychological thing. Could be. Um, that's weird. It's a weird so, relationship, but yeah. interesting. And I, I do, I did kind of want to mention um, that a lot of Poe's career, actually, we're about 30 minutes in. Do you want to take a break real quick and I'll get back to uh, maybe the last half of this? Sure, let's do it. All right. And we're back. And we're back. If there was an ad in that little time slot, that means you're helping support our podcast. Hell yeah. Thank you so much. Um, follow us at Casual X History on every social media you have because we have it. That's <laughs> right. We do. We try to give uh, special insights and little tidbits of information of whatever we're talking about. So if you want to talk to us or help us with what the next episode should be, let us or know. Or correct there. us on yeah, information us. that you have that we don't because we love that. Exactly. Honestly. <laughs> um, so back into Poe. That's who we're talking about today. That's right. Um, a lot of Poe's career um, was known as a literary critic. Um, and though he praised the works such as Washington Irving and Nathaniel Hawthorne among mm-hmm. the classics of American literature, he was also known and feared for how he destroyed less skilled authors. Oh, this no. earned him the nickname the Tomahawk Man. Oh, shit. Um, and tackling the poems of... So I'm going to go through a few of his critiques. Yes, just please. I, I love this. This is going to be kind of a, this is a little fun segment. Um, but tackling the poems of one William Lord, Poe writes that, and this is in quotes, the only remarkable things about Mr. Lord's compositions are the remarkable conceit, ignorance, impudence, platitude, stupidity, and bombast. For any other specimens of your stupidity, good Lord, deliver us. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, and novelists weren't any luckier. Um, Theodore Fay's 1835 work, Norman Leslie, was, in quotes, <laughs> unworthy of a schoolboy. There is not even a single page of Norman Leslie in which even a schoolboy would fall, fail to detect two or three gross errors in grammar and some two or three most egregious sins against common sense. Oh gosh! Now back in the time, that's like you're you're going at a guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're destroying his character. Yeah. yeah, you're literally saying that you're not worthy of having a book. Now the one who gets the full tomahawk treatment is okay. Morris Madison's novel Paul Ulrich. Um, okay. And in quotes, the book before us is too purely imbecile to merit an extended critique. But we shall. <laughs> but you know what? It, that doesn't merit me talking about it. But you know what? I'm going to fucking tear you apart. But we shall have no hesitation in exposing fully before the public eye 443 pages of utter folly, bombast, oh, and insanity. Such are the works which bring daily discredit upon our national literature works of folly, plagiarism, immor- immorality, inanity, and bombast. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he also attacked fellow journalists and <laughs> editors and critics. Uh, he was no like singular like oh this is what I'm yeah. critiquing. Um, he was just in general a critique of work and writings and wow. every facet. Um, the editor of the Boston uh, Miscellany, M- um was an unsufferable 
tedious and dull writer <laughs> today and destined to sink into oblivion. Oh, wow. So that will okay, be that well, there. Well, geez. Uh, <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Yeah. So just kind of a funny. It, I feel like now you're kind of getting into the uh, sharp, eagle-eyed. Right. Like, uh, I don't know. His, the more his, image. Yeah. That he's, the more image that you start uh, to know that we now have, now know of. Um, exactly. And Poe also, of course, we know, like when you think of Poe, right, he had the reputation as a heavy drinker. Mm. But actually, it was only after Virginia's death that it, he gave in to alcohol. Um, and even then, he drank. He didn't drink in huge quantities. The problem with him was that even a small quantity of liquor would knock him out. Yeah. Um, and so in November 1848, um, Poe was courting a poetess, uh, Sarah Whitman, not related oh. to not related to uh, Charles Whitman. I think is the dude's name or Whitman. You know the Whitman guy. Yes, who's famous. I do know. God, That's I why I thought name. it was a famous person. Yes. No, right. not related. Um, but she was so concerned about his reputation that she asked for total abstinence as a condition for marriage. Oh my um, God! Poe failed to meet the request, and Sarah <laughs> called off the engagement. Well, damn. So it was a year later, in the summer of 1849, Poe was on a lecture. Um, tour in Richmond when he met again his once girlfriend, the first girlfriend I ever mentioned, Elmira, Elmira um, the one who had dumped him for the businessman. Oh. Now, she was a widow at this time, so That's obviously right. something happened to you him. You done fucked up. <laughs> something happened to the guy. <laughs> um, and they rekindled the love affair. He was just always yeah, in and out of love, man. Wow. Uh, and so in August, uh, they accept, she accepted Edgar's proposal and Poe must have been dead serious because at this time, it was only two days later, he joined the Sons of Temperance, which is a sort of alcoholic anonymous, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous club from right. the 19th century. Um, and everything was working out fine at this point. And then the chain of events started, uh, and one would lead to the Poe's unresolved death. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So this is kind of the la- later half of his life here. We'll get into that. Right. Um so on the 26th of September, 1849, Poe visited a physician friend called John Carter. He was due to leave Richmond to go to Philadelphia to complete an editing job in the in the town. Um, and Carter advised Poe at the time to postpone the trip for a few few days. I think he was doing tests where they were like, "Hey, let's uh, check on your health, you know, right. before you go." But he didn't. He left anyways. Um, and it was at this point on the 27th of September. When he left for Philadelphia, that for the following six or seven days, he vanished. Wait. He vanished? Yeah. <laughs> so What do then, you mean vanished? Now, here, let me pick you up on, on the other Please. half of this story. <laughs> Please. A journalist called Joseph Walker, walking okay. outside the pub, Gunner's Hall, came across a traumatized man lying in the gutter. The man was visibly ill and in a state of confusion and dressed in the worn-out ill-fitting clothes so not in his own clothes oh god the man was visibly ill uh, like i just said and the man introduced himself as edgar Allan poe and asked for help um, poe asked walker to contact joseph snodgrass a newspaper editor with the medical background um and snodgrass took poe to a hospital where he was treated by dr john moran and moran noted down his patient's symptoms fever mania and revulsion to water Calling for somebody called Reynolds. So he was yelling out for someone named Reynolds. What? Um, and Moran also asked Poe where he had left his possessions, but he had no, couldn't remember. He had no clue. Right. And then it was on October 7th, 1849, Edgar Allan Poe died, age 40, in the hospital. 
Um, and the reported cause of death was at the time um, swelling of the brain. His oh, mother-in-law, wow. hearing that Poe had died, went to not check on his cat. Like this is like all in succession here. Right. Um, Katarina and found that she had also died. She was dead when she arrived. The cat was dead. What? Um, and so. Sorry, I'm I'm really in shock. I did yeah. not. I I feel like I've heard of this maybe, but I totally forgot. Yeah, well, so one of the early causes that people think, of course, you know, you, all these. Here, I'm gonna go through a few. Let's of the go to like modern medicines. Well, try to uh, diagnose what happened to him. Well, this wasn't modern method medicine, but this is just kind of speculation because okay. really all it can be was yeah. uh, it was alcohol abuse, right? Mm-hmm. But the un- unverified rumor was spread by Poe's obituary, um, so it wasn't real. And there's no real evidence here. It was just in a, uh, Poe's obituary, right? Um, other possible uh, causes include tuberculosis, right? Epilepsy, diabetes, and even rabies. Um, really? And author Matthew Pearl offered another explanation: brain cancer. Um, this could be consistent with Poe's symptoms. Plus, when Poe's body was displaced to another burial in 1875, the coffin broke, and the witnesses noticed uh, a small clump rolling inside Poe's skull. Oh, no. And this could have been calcified tumor, maybe. Um, and other theories include uh, vi- involve a violent crime. Poe may have been assaulted, as claimed. That was, that was my first thought. My first thought was, like, if they said brain swelling, right, that possibly maybe he drank. Can't remember what happened. Uh, some dude stopped him. He got jumped. Yeah, hit him in the head. He was confused, dazed. Well, here, I'll when get he woke to, up, I'll get to another theory that can yeah. kind of uh, wrap this because he was in different clothes. So I wonder if they. But who put different clothes on him that weren't fitting? Right, they weren't of his usual style either. Is what was noted. Like it's not really what he would what? wear. Um, so interesting. So here, here's another uh, theory. Okay. Um, Involved, so like I said, involved violent crime. Uh, there was a claimed in 1867 by biographer Oak Smith uh, that another popular theory was cooping. So cooping was where gangs of thugs would abduct and coop up citizens from the streets and force them to, into a disguise so they could vote several times for the same candidate in whatever election was going on. And this was this happened around an election, right? Yeah. So exactly um, on voting days. I don't know if it was on voting. Uh, let me hear. I th- it was around the time of an election, though. Um, they were threatened with violence, like I said. An intriguing theory made for the first time in the 1870s, which points to some things in its favor. So Baltimore at the time was in the middle of a local election. Right. Um, Gunner's Hall was a polling station. Um, and Poe was wearing somebody else's clothes, which is something that was known to uh, be done. Of course, he's, you know, disguise. Right. Uh, Baltimore's newspaper, also the Republican, published warnings against cooping on the 1st and 3rd of October. So he died in October 7th. There was uh, so, a publication saying, hey, this is happening. So it all kind of lines up that it could it very could be. possibly, right. like he got beaten up by some thugs afterwards. Who knows? Who really knows? But again, it's all kind of unresolved myster- mystery where he wasn't, as soon as he goes to Philadelphia, he's not heard of, and then until this happens, and then he shows up and he's in wow. some And he's incoherent and, and can't right. tell you what's happening right. besides... He keeps yelling Richmond. Did they ever find any connection to the name he was yelling? Well, ex- this is what I, exactly. So there was some interesting research that was done searching the names Reynolds in local Maryland newspapers. And in September, it was found that there were two people called Reynolds acting as a district delegates in Elkton, just outside of Baltimore. Bar- Baltimore. Right. So this person may have been involved in, who knows? Like, who knows? <laughs> yeah. It's a mystery. Um, could they be involved in the local Baltimore elections? Was this a name Poe heard or read while being cooped up? 
Was this um, the random person who beat him up's name? Right. You don't know. <laughs> Did he know who this person was? Did he meet him at a bar, said his name was Richmond, later get into a fight? You know what I mean? Like, you don't know what the real story is. Yeah, you really don't. If it's just a random name he pulled from nowhere, he's in a manic state. Yeah. You really don't. Yeah. Um, another point of note with the 1875 discovery when the coffin broke, um, it, that it could also be caused by head trauma, and it caused yeah. a small bone between the cheekbone and jaw to fracture, um, and to did to hatch basically and free rattle inside the skull oh, which God. could be something that might have also been a cause of what they saw there to right. line up with either well, theory again just sorry just from piecing together that info like that's that's the only thing that drives me to believe that it wasn't some sort of violent that there's more than that yeah just because the different clothes thing yeah like if you were gonna mug somebody and say brain swelling because you got hit in the head smacked over the head for your money or whatever you had on you right yeah. like um why put you in different clothes? You're not putting on different clothes. Yeah. Like you're not like if he was, like, even if they were just like, give me all, give me your jacket, give me your nice shoes. Right. Like and they took your clothes. You'd probably be there naked. Right. You wouldn't be in somebody else's clothes. Uh, and that's weird. I don't know if the cat has any correlation, but that's, that is definitely a weird, yeah. weird thing. Yeah. Um, um, and of course his life and his tendencies that we've gone over, all lead to different variations of well, he was a gambler. Right. Well, he, he it didn't drank. take much for him to well, it did. He it didn't take he much drank. for him to uh, black out and not right. remember where he was. Right. Yeah. It mm-hmm. didn't take much. Not that he didn't. He, I don't think he was an alcoholic. Yes. Really, but maybe in the time he was like, it just didn't take much for him. So maybe it came across that way. Interesting. And he was kind of manic. You know, he's been through so much trauma. Like at that point, I'm sure he had a lot of. He was he was 40 by the time by the way when he died. Right. Um. So he went through so much, and you already know through some of his works, his brain probably worked differently. You know, just by the readings of yeah. how he wrote, you can tell the stories he wrote, wrote you about. You can tell that what he was writing about was about the stuff that did torture him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. his demons he was yeah. writing about, and metaphor, yeah. and yeah, in different ways. So that, that is very interesting. So it just, again, I don't have an answer here, but that's kind of the mystery that I thought was really interesting was all of that can kind of draw you there's so many theories on his death sure but i do want to uh speak on quickly uh i know we're at the end here um sure. of uh why we think of Edgar Allan poe the way we do and yeah. it's uh, attributed to one man um and i've said his name a few times here yes uh when so, you said to remember <laughs> on october 9th 1849 an obituary of poe's a poe of poe sorry appeared on the new york tribune signed ludwig ludwig um, we don't know if Poe's death was an assassination, but certainly this article was character assassination. Oh, no. Um, while praising Poe's work, Ludwig wrote that few will be grieved by his death and that the writer had little to no friends and led a dissolute and dis- dissipate life. Sorry, my oh, wow. brain. Um, Ludwig uh, pub- also pu- would publish more articles praising Poe's- Poe the author while destroying Poe the man exaggerating or inventing embarrassing details. And these articles were now signed with his real name. Do you know who that name was? No. Rufus W. Griswold. Oh, well, you look at that. So the man who was unsuccessfully courting that one member that I said this at the beginning. This is his chance to say he was a terrible person and I'm sure know, good he riddance. I'm sure he despised the guy. Yeah. You know, but you can't be- deny his writing. But I think like, he was better than him, you know, in yeah. a lot of areas. And then he also at the time took his girl, you know, that he was trying yeah, to man. win over. Um, That'll do it. <laughs> the irony is that Griswold was uh, Edgar's ex- 
uh, executor, meaning he had the rights to edit and publish his work for a oh nice profit. Oh, my God. And he did all of this while cementing the image of a dissolute, lunatic, alcoholic um, image that we s- still know today. Wow. So I'm this sure he had a piece of work. I'm sure he had tendencies of a lot of this stuff, but I don't think he was nearly what... Right. Um, this is an know, exaggeration of that character. How we see him, yeah. Yeah. Which I just thought was a kind of a nice sentiment to go, well, yeah. hey, if someone wants to listen to this, maybe you can get a better... Like, it's not black or white. He's not all the way one thing. I'm sure there are people out there that are all the way in yeah, all of these sure. areas. But it doesn't seem from his life that I've been able to read about that he was all the way in any of these attributes. Was he tortured? Was he probably drank? Yes. But do, do we think, do I think personally for, after reading all of this, that he was a raging alcoholic who just was like a horrible person that right. was just all about the, um, I don't know. It just didn't seem, it doesn't seem like that to me from my personal reading. Right. But I think the reason we do is because of course, when a, a man person with personal motives and a pen. who didn't like the man and a pen <laughs> and a pen with who had publishing rights, yeah, um, was the able pen to made him the pen, basically destroyed his character. Yeah, destroyed his character. Day. But I mean, he's still known. I think we, there's, there's a huge love for Edgar Allan Poe, and I think people who do research love him for probably not. I think anybody who does a little bit more digging on him, mm-hmm. like if you really like enjoy his work, you'll find that he's not all that was uh, you thought of. He with was the human. Image. Yeah, human with lots of tragic things in his life, like a lot of us experience. So. Yeah, but definitely, like, I, I too, too, like, hearing this, it makes me believe, I do believe he was a tortured soul, but, man, for someone with those kind of motives to be able to profit off of him after his death, yeah, and to be able to write, like, write that stuff about him mm-hmm. is, it's pretty, it's an asshole move, man. Yeah, it's an it definitely asshole is. Move. <laughs> and I, I think, like I mentioned, I don't think, I don't think at any point in time Edgar had a huge amount of wealth. I think he had wealth maybe to sustain himself. And like I said, he would always kind of fall into something or kind of have to get himself out of. Uh, yeah. He was a workaholic. Yeah. Workaholic. So I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here, but I, everything I've read, I don't think he ever really, acqui- like he was never, he was never rich financially or rich, rich, comfortable. you know, he, I'm sure he was able to do what he wanted to do. But, um, that also is interesting to me because I'm sure now post his death, the amount of, uh, work at his, the amount of, reach his work has yes says nothing but that dude would be filthy rich if he were exactly Um, but that's a lot of writers you know yeah man uh, that always fascinates me that's with anybody like with people that are larger than life uh people like uh long after their death making more money than when they made when they were alive yeah it's such an interesting human thing that it's i can't explain it but it's just such a weird thing like anytime there's a huge person that dies like when like even the day i remember when michael jackson died yeah and he was a huge he was already considered the king you know king of pop at the time this is probably a bad example because he was so famous when he died and had millions of dollars he was rich but uh but then like you see like skyrocket like all of a sudden it dies His down sales and everything and then yeah. as soon as someone dies then back at number one yeah sells millions more copies yeah um, I think the same thing happened with, uh, the King, um, Elvis, Elvis. Yeah. But like just that, that kind of it's cements, human thing. Yeah. It's weird that how a piece of art or writing or really anything music it is, it is always been a thing of, uh, even if you had fame of some sort during the time that it was made. It, it either falls off or people forget or even if it was like you either cement yourself when like people who die early during right. their careers, right? It kind of cements weirdly 
this sense of like fame or uh, longevity to their career. Um, and then, or you're aged enough to where you're kind of at the fall off and you had a peak yeah. and then like you died and all of a sudden you're back forever at known the at the peak. Yes. You know, you're not known at the, the bottom or the end of half of your life, which is like Elvis and other people like that. Sure. They had a bottom, but you don't hear about the, the, no. the dark, the other side of the, the mountain really. Exactly. Um, a lot. Yeah. So it's interesting. It It is a human thing. It's also, uh, a very attestment to how, uh, Humans, in general, are aware of their demise. They're aware of death and that it's inevitable and it comes for everybody. But at the same time, the fact that you can make something in your lifetime that, like, he lives forever. Like, yeah. in those works yeah. that spread to millions of people, it's in school books. I know that for sure because I read it in school. Yeah, uh, Some of his short stories, uh, you learn about him in class, like the basic overview of him, obviously. But just the fact that writing in art and works is truly a way to live forever. Yeah. Beethoven's works live outlive him beyond his image, his years, yeah. right? It didn't die with him. What he put on paper. Well, that's the interesting thing I've heard. A, heard a, that's kind of the, um, the thought basis around podcasting now. Really? Um, which what the thought, the thought being that the spoken word, because people are listening in long formats mm-hmm. has now become as powerful as the written word. Interesting. Because the access, because it's kind of almost easier in different facets. Not that it's going to, like, if something were to go down and technology went down today, sure, it's gone unless you have CDs or stuff. Sure. But at the time with our technology, the, the spoken word now has as much power as the written word, which I thought was an interesting yeah, thought. Yeah, it is wild. I think it's true, though. It's just something that I've I've read that is like, that's that's how you live forever. That's yeah. how you do it. Is You know what I mean? You make... You make things, and those things can outlive you. Yeah, and a piece of you lives forever in those works. And so I'm, I'm always amazed by that. And true artists, and how that comes to comes to be. I just think it's such an interesting human concept, and yeah, something that lasts. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the uh, the story. Yeah, I love that. Glad I you love enjoyed that. the real uh, kind of breakdown. Yeah, of course. It was kind of an interesting uh, read and work work through and type out. So um, very interesting human with uh a big stereotype a big uh thing built around built him image, so yeah. it's very interesting to hear the real man yeah the kinda, i like oh, i always enjoy doing timelines of people that for, maybe it's a personal thing maybe like, i can talk about like someone in general and kind of break down but if i feel like i have a, a sense of oh his birth and death i kind of get an overview and you can kind of fill in the gaps i'm sure but i'm sure um it's always fun to do yeah so. absolutely well, well, cool, man. Well, awesome. That's a great podcast episode, dude. Thanks. thanks. I really appreciate that. That is that is one that's shocking. Like again, like it always shocks me, no matter what. Um, when I come in with nothing, and then I see Edgar Allan Poe in a picture up there, yeah, <laughs> and just like I go, oh yeah, I'm yeah. gonna love this. He's been a favorite of mine for a while, and so I I I, I personally never knew the the real story. I guess so, of course. Um, I, I'm assuming most people don't. Yeah. I mean, again, there's only there's. As humans today in general, you're being bombarded with small bits of information at an enormous rate. Yeah. So like when you do like when you have famous images in your head, it's easier to see them as um, shallow overviews yeah. than like a full person's life and to know. I mean, I'm sure there are thousands of people, hundreds of people that don't know uh, the real story of Edgar Allan Poe as a person. And there's a lot more, more people works. to get into. So uh, that's kind of right. why we uh, keep keep going, huh? Also... We had a uh, a Twitter person, which I should shout out. 
I wonder if I can get on right now. Yeah, please do. While um, you're doing that, I'll mention our our ats on Facebook is Casual X History, on Instagram is Casual X History, and Twitter is Casual X History. Um, we do all this because it's pretty simple to do. <laughs> so you can find us on everything. Um, and we try to give a little bit more, like, either Wikipedias or fun photos or different information that you can read about whatever subject we're doing when we post a podcast. So yeah. always check on there for fun if you want more information. Um, and, yeah, we're always trying to respond to people, too, if you have suggestions. So yeah. what did, so, shout them out. Okay, so it's at uh, Pingu Pal. I think that's how I'm saying his the username, right? Pingu Pal. Yes, and he said, low-key waiting for the Kangas Khan episode. So okay, well, <laughs> uh, definitely uh, need something this? I need to look you into. You either do it or I do it. The next two weeks, we'll do it within the next two weeks. Yeah, that's that's a big one. Yeah, that, that's a big. Well, if you don't do it, I'll do it one way or the other. Heck yeah! So no, I'm totally down for that. So you can keep listening, Pingu pal. Uh, we'll be. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I I've wanted to do that for a while, so that'll yeah, be fun. Yeah, me too. All right, me too. I'm I'm totally down. Suggestion for that. taken. See see how easy that is. Done. I know it's you're, gonna you're, happen in the next two weeks. Uh, so if you go on Twitter, you're directly talking to us. Uh, we definitely want to listen to your suggestions. And also, thank you, guys. I, I listen to podcasts all the time. Like, every usually when I'm commuting to work or doing anything like that, um, I'm always listening to podcasts. So if you are choosing at all to listen to us in general on your drive, um, at home, you know, in your spare time, just thank you, guys. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you truly enjoy the stuff that we're making, please share it with other people. It'd be amazing to have this thing become something. Yeah. You know? Uh, we appreciate the the crowd that has uh, gathered so far, and anybody who wants to share that, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's Edgar Allan Poe. Um, that's right. And we'll catch you on the next Deep Dive episode. That's new right. short history, five-minute history, excuse me, every Wednesday. Um, sorry for being a day late last week. We got crazy busy <laughs> yeah. schedule-wise, but we got it done. Um, that's really the only one we've ever... I know that's the, that's the first late one. So we've one. been pretty consistent. I'm going to pat ourselves on the back real quick. We have been. Um, knock on wood that that doesn't have to. Are happen we in the again. 20s now of these things? I think we're on 26 or 25. Nice. Yeah. So Dang. Dude. We're doing it, <laughs> dude. We're close to 50. Yeah, we just got to keep going. Just that's right. Keep going. Got to keep going. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. That's right. Uh-huh.